called Vista Stars to Sea by the Ulster Orchestra Society uh, to commemorate the centenary of the sinking of the Titanic. As you know, um, it's very closely connected with Belfast, and I'm the orchestra's associate composer at the moment, and uh, this is the first big piece that they commissioned from me. So it's a 25-minute work. Um, it also involves a, a choir, which is the Capella Ciciliana from Belfast, which is conducted by Donald McCriskin. And, uh, yeah, it's the, it's the longest purely orchestral piece I've written, um, as opposed to some of my slightly longer concertos. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. The cellist Paul Watkins is um, carving out a career as a, as a conductor these days, and he's the principal guest conductor for the Ulster, and he's going to be conducting it on Friday. They wanted a piece which would, uh, and a substantial piece which would commemorate this uh, event, and which was nice because the Elster don't tend to uh, usually commission long pieces, you know, so that was an exciting thing to get asked to do. It's structured in five uh, fairly large sections. Um, I'm trying to be careful not to be too narrative in the piece, and so the, the, the sections hanging together more like a series of breezes rather than an actual flowing narrative, although, you know, there's a fairly clear sequence to them. Um, the opening section is, I titled them, uh, so the opening section is Build, uh, there's a shorter second section called Launch, um, the third section is Forwards, the fourth section is a setting of a poem especially written by the English poet Helen Pitsy called No Sun, No Moon, and then the uh, fifth section is Towards the Horizon. Once I had the architecture in place, it was just a matter of fleshing it out with some music. Um, but I, I enjoyed working on it. This is my first orchestral piece for five or six years, and it's, uh, it's nice that we're so close to getting it heard now. They're kind of hard work in a way, big orchestral pieces. You know, they're, they're very intensive in terms of the amount of effort they require. But, you know, it's, at the same time, it's great to have the chance to do that every so often, uh, you know. Um, and as you know, opportunities to do that, especially in Ireland, are not that plentiful, especially these days. So it was a very pleasant surprise when David rang me, and, um, you know, it's it's not that hard to get excited about writing uh, a big orchestral piece. I mean, I've worked with the Ulster for nearly 20 years now, and I, I know them quite well, although the last piece I wrote for them was actually over 10 years ago for the proms. So it was good to get back to working with them. Talk to me a little bit about how you uh, approached uh, your your research around writing uh, the piece. I mean, did did you have to to did you read a lot into the kind of history and the lore around the um, the Titanic or, or? No, not really, because um, I didn't want to to get too detailed in a way. You know, because the more detail that you you feel that you have to put into a piece, the more it gets bogged down with that detail, and so you end up with the audience poring over their lengthy program notes to know exactly where they are, and I, I really don't like that kind of music or that approach to writing music, so I wanted something which was much broader in its general shape, and then I can, I can work on the musical detail. I mean, I, you know, when you grow up in the North, you do have a certain... Um, <laughs> feeling for the Titanic. I don't know, it's there, you know, it's part of the culture there. And I also did a, I did a project for the Belfast Festival maybe, um, yeah, ten years ago, nine, nine or ten years ago with the Art of the Joyce. And there was a certain 
uh, involvement of uh, Titanic lore in that. So it's not as if I didn't have any previous experience of um, researching the Titanic. The idea is that each section is inspired by an idea to do with the Titanic. So, <clears throat> you know, in the opening section, you've got this mechanistic, um, rather me um, noisy music, you know, which possibly evokes the shipyard, but could evoke just that sense of something being put together, whether it's a ship or, or just the music being put together. So I didn't want to get too literal, and um, I think the broad shape of the piece will be enough to carry people through from start to end without having to worry about exactly where in the story they are, because I'm not telling that kind of story. When David asked me to write this piece, that was actually the, the first uh, the first thing, actually, the first element. And then a few weeks later, he got back in touch and said, well, how do you feel about being the, the Ulster's associate composer? Because, as you know, Brian Irvine had been well-established in that role up to 2010, and he'd been very involved in the educational side of things. The idea was that I would be the orchestra's associate composer from 2010 to 2013. This would be the first big commission. Um, I do a little bit of education work. I mean, I did one project in 2010 with uh, Grosvenor Grammar School. Um, and they'd certainly uh, do their best to involve maybe an existing piece or two. Now, that's actually since, since, uh, since Declan McGovern's taken over, we fleshed that out. So the plan is that I'm, I'm, I'm to write a piano concerto this year, if all goes well, which will all, also involve a, a marching flute band. And um, what I want to do for the final year is actually write a cello concerto. And so we're, we're fairly well um, down the road of, of putting everything into place regarding those other two pieces. You must write very, very fast, do you? <laughs> I, um, once I get going, yeah, I write quite quickly. Um, I think you have to, uh, you know, if, you're, if you want to be someone who makes a living uh, as a composer, you can't just get by with two or three pieces a year. Uh, you know, I, I produce maybe six, seven pieces a year, possibly. And, um, you know, you, I, I feel I need to do that just to... Well, firstly, um, I like to be busy. I like to have a lot of different things going on and different strands. But also, you need to, to have that kind of output to, to, you know, basically make a living. Turning to the... Um to the project that you were you were just involved in in uh, Albrough yeah last week tell me tell me about that and how it came about well the short the short form of the story is I I'd been reading the Dracula novel I'd seen Attila Shahar who's basically a black metal singer I'd seen him perform with um, a trio in London he does some side projects which aren't in the metal vein at all and I just realized he would make a great vampire um, and then started to, to think about uh, some kind of music theatre piece which would involve him. Uh, I was talking to my publisher at the time, and she suggested, well, if you're going to involve Attila, why don't you uh, look at involving Phil Minton, who's um, uh, a legend in, in vocal improvisation in the UK. And then uh, I, what I wanted to do was essentially boil down bits of the Dracula novel uh, and then kind of expand them up in my own way. So what we ended up with was uh, ended up with was a piece called "I Burn for You," um, which is inspired by the novel, but it's its own story. It has recognisable aspects of 
of what we know as vampire lore just you know it's so much a part of the culture now but i wanted to sidestep all the campness of you know true blood and uh the, the films that have been out recently and stuff and just try and get back to something a bit more um well creepy in a way but also visceral in its uh, emotional emotional engagement with the audience and the listener and so we um i wrote the libretto myself actually and uh basically the singers and the instrumentalists i involved are all improvisers even attila does a lot of improv in his solo work and so with a few rough directions um we got everybody together on Monday and just started working around the libretto and finding the best way to express uh, the libretto and the ideas there, and importantly, let everyone express themselves the way they like to. And uh, it was a really exciting experience, and um, we, I think we ended up with a really interesting piece as well. I'm credited on the, uh, on the cover of the book as... Um, conceiving, arranging, and writing the piece, but the word composed doesn't really appear anywhere, <laughs> which is interesting. Um, I mean, I was shaping it in, in a general way as we went through rehearsals every day and just trying to, um, you know, the carrot and stick approach, oh, I like what you do there, I don't like that so much, and just trying to, while, you know, while improv was definitely a part of it, I, I wanted people not to feel under too many restrictions or constraints. Well, I haven't taken this approach. I mean, it's in a way a logical, a logical extension of work I've been doing over the last few years. Um, I wrote a piece last year, for instance, for Cahill Roach, the saxophonist, and the Vanva Quartet, where I was, where Cahill was freely improvising, and I'd written um, a, certain, a special kind of notation I developed, which would allow the Vanvers to respond to what Cahill was doing, and vice versa. So they were they were basically improvising with with a certain amount of given material. And we spent, um, Kathleen and I would travel down to Cork uh, once a month for three months, and we'd spend a day, or half a day anyway, working on this. And we spent as much time talking about it as actually playing it. But, um, you know, it's, I'm really excited by performer freedom uh, in a context of my providing. Um, it's my way of getting involved with improv without actually performing myself. Uh, so I'm providing the architecture for the improvisation to to take place in, and uh, I'm finding that very exciting. You know, I do a lot of different kinds of things. Um, this is the one that's more one of the most exciting paths that I've been involved in um, for the last. I mean, because I love jazz, you know, and I love improv. I'm, I'm more and more I'm finding free improv very exciting. But you know, how do you how do you engage with that as a composer? If you know, if you're not actually performing, what's the what's the option? So, it's it's trying to find that balance between making certain structural demands on um, on what you want performers to do and giving them the freedom to do what they do. I guess just to just to finish up, so uh, just to ask you um, the about the other piece that you have that's yeah, taking place on the twentieth. So yeah. tell me tell me about that. Uh, this is a piece that. I wrote for Chrome a couple of years ago, actually. Um, yeah, when, just when I was finishing my research fellowship at Dundalk IT, and I wanted to write one more piece. And I actually I offered a, a couple of different groups um, to write something for them, for you know, because I had I was, I was, the research was covered, so they didn't have to find a fee. 
And one group, Chroma actually didn't get back to me quickly enough, so then I wrote something for the bad kiss, but then Chroma got back to me. So I ended up writing two pieces, and it's quite a short piece, it's only four minutes or so. And it's um, because I, my, my research was investigating Shannon's singing and finding ways of, of working that kind of ornamentation and style into my own music. And um, because I have connections to the Balkans with my, through my wife uh, for this little piece for Chroma, I think also because they, they had a, it's a trio for accordion, bass, clarinet, and viola. And because the clarinet and accordion are um, associated with folk music in that part of the world, I thought I would base this little piece on a Macedonian uh, folk song called Zaidi Zaidi. And uh, what I've done is take that melody as performed by um, Tosha Proeski, who's a Croatian, I think a Croatian folk singer who, who was killed in a car crash a few years ago. Uh-huh. So basically I took the way he sang it and then recontextualized it um, into a, a contemporary idiom. They've got their 15th birthday uh, celebrations uh, on the 20th in King's Place in London, so they programmed it for that, and that will be the premiere, which is nice. You know.